In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello, welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and this series is in cooperation with Cinda Virtual, which brings you thought leaders from around the world. Now, you can learn more about Cinda on www.cinda.org, but we don't only bring you thought leaders from around the world. We also have listeners from all around the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to this series, let me tell you what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss us live, don't worry about it because you can hear this series on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and almost every major podcast platform. In this series, you can listen to great advice, leadership success stories that you can learn from, stories that can motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly even help propel your career. I invite you to connect with me. Please send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or connect with me on my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. And when you send me a mail, let me know what you want to hear about on this show. If you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international, local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful for each either your business or for yourself. Now, today's episode I'm very, very excited about because this subject is not talked about a lot. I mean, the world has changed. And over the last weeks, we have witnesses, clashes of values and beliefs, and many of them revolve around our views concerning gender and roles. Now, I was watching the election, the U.S. election results, and I heard an interview from a voter who clearly said that women do not belong in the White House. While continuing to discuss subjects such as wage, equality, to Roe versus Wade, and these discussions sometimes have widened our divide, not narrowed them. But it seems when we start talking about gender, we're always talking about women. And the question is, what is happening to men in today's world? Gender roles have shifted in both work and in the home, but very often our focus is only on the gender that is perceived, and I say perceived, the gender that is left behind, and that is women. And today, we want to explore what is happening with when. Men, what are they facing in this shifting world, and will masculinity be newly defined? We have a very special guest with us today. Ed Frauenheim is a co-author of the new book, Reinventing Masculinity, The Liberating Power of Compassion and Connection. And he has written about organizations and leaderships and society for more than two decades, 
co-writing such books as A Great Place to Work for All, Better Business, Better for People, Better for the World. He currently serves as a senior director of content and research and advisory firm, Great Place to Work. He also co-founded the Teal Team, which helps organizations evolve into more democratic, purpose-driven, soulful places. So welcome to the show, Ed. Thanks very much, Kim. Okay. So let's just start out with um, what inspired you to write this book? A couple things, uh, Kim. One is a very personal uh, journey around masculinity, you could say, uh, where uh, the traditional roles, uh, what we end up calling confined masculinity, were not a great fit for me personally. Uh, I grew up skinny when you're supposed to be strong. Uh, I was not uh, particularly good at fighting. You know, I lost my one fist fight in sixth grade. Um <laughs> And in sports contests, I had trouble in those really difficult clutch moments at the end of games, and my teams never seemed to win a championship. So these were all kinds of the things that made you a, a, you know, a successful guy. Uh, and uh, also rising to the clap of the corporate heap, that was not my path either. So there was a personal piece. Uh, and then I noticed as we're talking about you know, the Me Too movement and, and all the gender divide questions that you, you just were raising, uh, there was actually... A, to me, as I studied the workplace, that was where my most of my work was done as a business journalist. There was a consensus growing that the way to be successful as a man was shifting. It was not really those traditional traits like domination, uh, like being ruggedly independent, uh, being stoic. Uh, those things were really uh, drawbacks to success in business. So I found a partner, thankfully, uh, my co-author, Ed Adams, who was writing about men and masculinity and had been treating men as a, as a counselor and therapist for 30 years. And together we brought the sort of personal psychological part of the, the puzzle from Ed Adams. And, and I, as the other Ed, two Eds are better than one, we think. <laughs> I brought the business angle and that's really what led us to, to write the book. Well, I mean, it is great because, as I said before, you know, we always are focusing on women. Um, But and let me just make a couple comments. You talked about this, you know, growing up and fistfights and this stereotype. But if you go back 10,000 years and you talk about this in your book and to the the hunter-gatherer society, gender power was more or less equal back then. I mean, when did it start to polarize? It's, I love that part of the book, uh, Kim, and I really learned about that as was, as we were writing it. Things really started polarizing with the dawn of agriculture, according to the historical record, uh, that you had um, all of a sudden it was actually difficult for women to, to play the same productive roles as men if you start talking about animal-drawn plows and, and as uh, uh, the accumulation of, of, of excess food allowed this sort of the rise of civilization, but it also allowed sort of the, the more uh, dominant-oriented guys to sort of start collecting and amassing power. And so there was, uh, you know, I had thought that really a lot of our gender roles were created in the industrial age, but as I looked at this history a little more fully, it, it does seem to be more about when we, we, we settled down and became um, agriculturalists, that you start seeing these these gender roles really get more rigid and men starting to take on a, a dominant position in society. Mm-hmm. And so as these gender roles start to shift, um, you know, this is what you call in your book, and you have a name for this, kind of this um, perceived uh, gender role called confined masculinity. Can you, can you talk to a little about what that is? Sure. 
it has to do with the limitations that men feel. Uh, this this masculinity that we identify, it's pretty much what we would call conventional, traditional masculinity. Uh, and it has to do with men having a limited number of roles, especially the provider, the protector, the conqueror, and also uh, other kinds of traits that really limit the men's ability to relate to others well. You're supposed to be stoic. You're supposed to be uh, independent to the point of, of being alone. Um, so you don't see the need for friendship uh, nearly as much. There's also a tendency to sort of uh, identify if, if with other people as more of a tribe as opposed to sort of all people and, and all of, 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 of nature. So these were these kind of um, limitations struck us as, uh, and also a, a school of, of Japanese psychology, Morita therapy also used this term of the confined self, which is a not very healthy self. So that, that all led us to, to use this term confined masculinity to capture a lot of the, what we would, others would call conventional or, or traditional masculinity. And do you think this conventional, traditional masculinity, the, the protect and provide or conquer mentality is, is still what's prevalent today in society? I do. I think there's there's a shift underway for sure, and it's a hopeful shift. But uh, it seems very clear to me that there's a lot of uh, legacy power to this idea of confined masculinity. I mean, you know, you don't have to look very far in, in American society. I, we actually we don't talk about this in the book, but one prime example of, of a guy that it sort of identifies as a, as with this masculinity is, is our president Donald Trump, mm-hmm. um, kind of trying to focus on being strong at all costs, and uh, mm-hmm. self-made man uh, uh, sort of myth that, that he, uh, he promotes. Um, and the idea that we still have, uh, it's hard for, for guys to feel like they could cry, you know, that to, for, for them to feel like uh, they can express empathy uh, very easily. I mean, on the other hand, as we saw, you know, Joe Biden does identify with a lot of these traits that he did win elections. So mm-hmm. there is, I think there's a, there's a shift underway. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, we had some really big examples in the last few weeks of this, or a few months, years, okay, um, mm-hmm. uh, of this. But um, you know, that's focusing on America and Western. I mean, is the are there differences in confined masculinity or kind of this conventional um, cultural differences? Because we're in a world economy today, so yeah. We, I would say that there are differences. There are different flavors uh, of of this masculinity across the world. Um, for example, in, in a number of the Asian cultures, there's greater openness to the kind of combination of yin and yang uh, in the philosophies and the relig- in the spiritual traditions, and 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 that sort of those yin and yang energies kind of roughly correspond to masculine and feminine uh, energies or, or traits. Um, but still, there is. If you look across the board, you see uh, the the notion that you're you're supposed to be this, a strong man. We do have sort of strongman politics in places like China, uh, and um, in in other countries around the world. So, because a lot of that history, you know, going back to the the, the ag- rise of agriculture uh, mm-hmm. and some of the faith traditions, uh, do call out the need for to be a, a certain kind of a man. So I, I would say it's pretty, it's, it's universal, but with, with local flavor uh, is mm-hmm. how I would sum it up. Yeah. And, and what about generationally? I mean, we see Generation Z today, um, you know, um, their work values are very different. Um, do you think their views on this, this conventional masculinity is different also? Or, or is it mostly baby boomers or, you know, has it shifted with generations? 
it is shifting. Uh, we, we cite a study from um, 2018 from uh, 538, the research website, and it found that, that 60% of men felt that society put pressures on men in ways that are unhealthy. And that, that percentage grew the younger a man was. Uh, so I, I perceive, and I think you, there's uh, research on this idea that, that younger men tend to be more open to uh, a different way of being a man. They're more tolerant, say, of sexual variations. Folks that are maybe transgender or non-binary, um, they they tend to have less, you know, less limitations on how they perceive they can operate in the world. Um, so I, I think that that there is a shift underway. The older guys tend to be more um, caught by by the confined masculinity ethos, you could say, and that you know that includes me as a guy who's 53. Definitely those. Um, those social pressures have, have definitely governed a lot of my life, even as I'm trying to challenge them at the same time. Yeah. And, and those, the, you know, uh, we're talking about generational and, and these old generation kind of, they put them in place. And when you look at the workplace, I mean, when I look at some industries or some markets, you know, um, they're so conventional, the conventional masculinity is there. And I think, you know, some of the hot, the tech has changed that a little bit, but, um, has this, and does it still play a big role in forming organizational culture? I think so. Uh, one of the things we talk about in the book is that you can really look at the traditional corporate structure as a mirror of confined masculinity, uh, where you have a, uh, a CEO uh, and a pyramid of power where there's uh, basically a series of uh, bosses telling people what to do below below the chain of command. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is a structure that um, basically is built on this idea of, of dominance, of, of someone being superior to others. And that really corresponds to this sort of uh, highly competitive and, and domination element of, of a traditional masculinity. Um, those, those company structures, in turn, uh, have, have, I think... They're increasingly out of date, uh, increasingly in trouble, um, and so I think there's there's change underway where you're you're seeing more interest in decentralizing power, Kim, and and moving away from from these these corporations that are also pretty mechanical. There's not a lot of like room for uh, emotion, or at least uh, you know it, it filters into the workplace for sure. A lot of leader ide- decisions are emotional, but they're not supposed to be. They're, you're supposed to be purely rational uh, and sort of uh, ignoring a lot of our humanity. And when when we when we when we go to work every day, yeah, yeah, and mechanical. That's that's a great description on some of these these organizational structures. And you're right. You know, it's top to down hierarchical. Um, mm-hmm. I do think it. You know. Some of the, the with with high, with the tech coming in with the Googles and the Facebooks and some of these, it's changed a little bit. But it's still even within those companies. When you see you know um, the structures, it's still pretty hierarchical. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say I, I think that you, you you touched on the a key point about how technology is uh, changing things or has the potential to because I think the the whole the internet itself is a highly democratizing force, or it can be. Uh, and that is one that does sort of 
potentially distribute power uh, in a much more egalitarian way. Uh, and I think you do see in those tech companies that that impulse and, and there's this idea that everybody at Facebook who comes the first day can make the change to the code. Mm-hmm. That, that is one of their principles. Um, Google gave people, you know, 20, 20% time to come up with their own ideas. Uh, so there is a, there is this, a sense that like, we're not going to only believe that the leaders are the, are the smartest ones. Um, yeah. But but you're right that there is still you know the the old school thinking still permeates them. You saw the scandals at Uber going back a couple mm-hmm. of years yep. uh, that shows that it's alive and well. Some of the you know hyper masculinity yes. problems. Absolutely. Um, well, we're going to take a short break, Ed, and when we get back, I want to talk a little bit about liberating masculinity. And for our listeners, we are speaking with Ed Frauenheim co-author of the new book, Reinventing Masculinity, The Liberating Power of Compassion and Connection, and that's available on Amazon. And I recommend going to Amazon and getting it. It's a great read. And Ed has written about organizations, leadership, and society for more than two decades. He has also co-authored another book, A Great Place to Work for All, Better for Business, Better for People, Better for the World. Now, you can go reach out to Ed under www.reinventingmasculinity.com. He's also under Twitter at Ed Frauenheim and on LinkedIn at Ed-Frauenheim. And this series is brought to you by Cinda, and Cinda holds virtual trainings, conferences, market research, legislative white papers focused on digital. And if you want to learn more about Cinda, go to www.cinda.org. And right now, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and you're listening to us on Voice America Business Channel. 
And today we are speaking with Ed Frauenheim, and he's the co-author of the new book, Reinventing Masculinity, The Liberating Power of Compassion and Connection. Now, he also has other books on the market. He's co-authored A Great Place to Work for All, Better for Business, Better for People, and Better for the World. But, but today we're talking about the new book, Reinventing Masculinity. So, um, Ed, before, before the break, we were kind of getting some history and some context around where we are today in the world and, and you know, historically how we got to where we are today. Um, but I want to go to your book. Now, you're calling for a reinvention of masculinity. Um, what do you mean by that and why is that so important today? It means that we're talking about moving away from that confined masculinity that, that we talked about before, Kim. Um, and we think that this is vital because that confined masculinity is outdated, unhealthy, and even dangerous. Um, it's outdated in the sense that it doesn't really fit the contours of the 21st century. Uh, when we're talking about uh, a world that where there's greater um, diversity, uh, there's greater uh, call for, for fairness among different folks of different uh, racial backgrounds and uh, gender identities. Uh, it's also one that doesn't fit the business world that we can talk about a bit later. Uh, it's unhealthy in the sense that it's not healthy for men. Men is my co-author and, and I uh, looked at the research finding that uh, when men are, have a, a very strict adherence to those conventional confined masculinity beliefs of say stoicism, of, of aggression, of uh, being uh, disconnected from others in a sense that you're uh, highly uh, independent, those tend to lead to health problems depression, isolation. Um, and this dangerous point, you know, speaks to the, what we've just witnessed with the global pandemic, mm-hmm. that, that men who are uh, unwilling to be vulnerable, that aren't willing to sort of acknowledge truth and, and mistakes um, can, can, you know, in this case of, of I would argue that the, uh, the U.S. response to the, the COVID pandemic by, led by Donald Trump has led to tens of thousands of unnecessary deaths mm-hmm. uh, in the sense of wanting to ignore it or focus on just uh, the self and, and being reelected in his case. Um, so there's a need to really move away from that confined masculinity to a masculinity that is contemporary, that is inclusive, that is healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and great examples. And that's what you call in your book. Um, so moving away is what you call liberating masculinity in your book. So can you just mm-hmm. touch on that a little bit? Sure. By liberating masculinity, we're talking about a, a version of masculinity that builds on those other roles, or those earlier roles uh, of, of a confined masculinity, but it frees men to, to play additional roles and mm-hmm. to, to have greater abilities to relate to others. Uh, so what I mean by that is besides just being the protector, the provider, the conqueror, you can also be the environmental steward. You can be the, the sensitive lover. Uh, you can be the caregiver uh, that, that we, we so badly need today. Um, you're also able to access emotional intelligence. Uh, we, we, we see this as a, a liberating, the masculinity that's called liberating is really defined by compassion and connection. So you're empathetic and caring for others in ways that the other, the earlier masculinity made it difficult, uh, and connected to others, so that you really see our, our mutual humanity, uh, and can can do things like collaborate at work better, okay, you know, have a better relationship with your spouse and your kids, um, and you're aware, you're you're sort of connected to even those that are different from you, 
so there's a self-awareness piece that allows you to acknowledge maybe, you know, maybe I've had some privilege in my life and, and I've had some advantages over, say, women or people of color if I'm a white man. So this is what liberating masculinity is. It's, it's a masculinity of our times. It's one that allows men to live fuller and freer lives and allows everyone around them to live fuller and freer lives as well. And um, you talked about compassion and, and in your book you talk about there's a path, okay? And I like what you just said on building on top of it. So you're not necessarily tossing everything out and right. starting over. You're building on it. And you, you talk about a path to liberating with the, with the um, five C's. And the first one is compassion, you just said. So why is, why is compassion so critical? It's critical for a couple reasons, uh, Kim. One is that it allows men to be happier. Uh, we, we know there's this, uh, this is an age-old concept that when you care for others, uh, you and yourself benefit. You know, it is in giving that we receive. Uh, men have been compassionate in, 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 in kind of profound ways for, for decades and for centuries. Uh, but the compassion has been a kind of unspoken, implicit one, where they're taking care of their families by providing financially. And that is a beautiful thing. But what was, what's missing, though, is, is or what can be built on is this idea of, of actually expressing uh, care and expressing the the importance of care, um, and we see that w- with my in my in the case of my co-author Ed Adams, the patients he works with, they often are you know men in their fifties, sixties, seventies that have really uh, they have very shallow relationships with their own family members uh, because they have not felt like it was okay to say be tearful about tears of joy or tears of sorrow. Uh, and when 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 a family member suffered or was had a wonderful thing happen to them. So compassion and, uh, is vital uh, for men's personal happiness, but it's also increasingly important at work as we are called to be creating psychological safety on our teams and to really be emotionally intelligent as leaders. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, um, and so that would be, you know, this compassion. That's one of the paths. And you talk about four other because you talk about the five C's. What would be the next thing? Well, the other most important one would be connection. Uh, that's part of our subtitle, The Liberating Power of Compassion and Connection. And by connection, we're talking about uh, acknowledging that we are interdependent as human beings. Uh, you know, in that confined masculinity model, there's such a focus on being a self-made man, about being a rugged individual. Uh, and it tends to hide or, or blind men from seeing, you know, we all rely on each other. We are all born from another human being. We're not... Uh, we st- we're not completely isolated in the way we are allowed to you know, carry out our lives. Uh, and we that sort of confined masculinity hides or, or obscures the, the, those facts. And the connection piece is, is vital, again, for our relationships at home, at, at work, when we were, we're increasingly called to collaborate across the organization in cross-functional teams. Um, and then also globally, we are facing global challenges uh, the climate crisis that has just become so vivid. You know, I live in California, Kim, and we were, you know, forced to live inside and buy uh, air filters to mm. deal with the smoke from the wildfires. And we had a good compared to people who lost their homes or died from these. Yeah. And these are directly a result of a global problem that we need to work on together, uh, as as I see it. So this con- connection piece is is vital as as the second as another one of these key uh, five C's. Yeah, and I mean this path, Ed. Okay, so that I, I can—that's so important and connection, compassion. But when I think of 
though com- connection and p- compassion, I think of you know engaging and understanding with somebody. Um, but we all have that old saying, um, nice guys finish last. Isn't this mm-hmm. vision of compassion and connected men, doesn't that contradict this old nice guys finish last? Not anymore. Okay. Uh, I think that I think that things are changing, and this is part of what I was saying at, at the outset about how the in the business world, what's emerging as the the way to succeed and finish first, if you will, in in the in the business world, is a masculinity that is more about uh, emotional empathy, emotional intelligence, compassion, and connection. Uh, we I, I've been able to, to have a front row seat at uh, some of the best workplaces in the world, places like Cisco. Marriott, Hilton, uh, PwC, uh, and what what you see in those leaders are people that are, you know, in the words of um, Adam, uh, uh, oh, I'm, I'm going to blank on his name, but uh, givers and takers. Um, mm. uh, he's at a professor at a Wharton School, and, and his yeah. book is talks about how you need to have uh, the best leaders are actually the ones that are giving more than worrying about taking away which is more that old school approach. Um, and those, so the, an example of, uh, that we have in the book is of Chuck Robbins, uh, the, the CEO of Cisco. He took over the, the company about six or seven years ago, and he had a dream uh, in which he was walking through one of the homeless encampments in, in, in California, the Bay Area, uh, San Jose, and he saw his father's face and his pastor's face. He woke up the next morning and said, I need to be part of this solution here. We, and, and he devoted resources at, Hill, at uh, Cisco to solving the uh, homelessness problem. And that actually inspired the rest of his organization to say, you know what, I'm, I'm about giving back also. Here's what I'm doing. And it, it lifted the entire organization's charitable efforts. And it didn't come at the expense of the business. If anything, mm-hmm. it, it helped elevate the motivation. And they turned out one of the most pr- uh, successful products, a new subscription technology service so he you know he's riding high uh as as a nice guy you could say kim yeah yeah no that that makes a lot of sense and um i mean certainly compassion and being you know connection is probably the priority in the path and you talk about um three other c's in the path um uh, not just uh compassion and connection what are those ed the other c's are courage Curiosity and commitment. And uh, by curiosity, we're talking about an, a willingness to, to ask questions uh, and to be uh, vulnerable in doing so. Uh, in the old, you know, in the confined masculinity take on curiosity is it's fine when you're a kid to ask, how, why is the sky blue? Uh, how do airplanes fly? Uh, but when you get older, it starts making you look like you're not the smartest guy in the room if you ask yeah. questions. Yeah. But that's actually what's vital today, uh, including questioning masculinity itself. Is this really the, the right way I want to live? Uh, and is this, is this actually the most successful way for me to, to, to be someone in my organization? Well, increasingly, we've gone from this know-it-all economy to a learn-it-all economy, uh, in the words of Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft. So curiosity, uh, we think, is, is critical. Uh, then if we move to the um, courage piece, that is a different kind of, we're talking about a different kind of courage than what men have all have long had or a building on, building on the courage mm-hmm. of a physical uh, risk to go and save someone in a burning building. That is a beautiful element of, of, of traditional masculinity. Um, and also the courage to take a financial risk, 
also often needed. We've had great advances, uh, advancements in society and business because of that. But the courage we're talking about is adding in a, an emotional piece, willing to be emotionally vulnerable, to acknowledge that you're suffering or that you, you have had a disappointment or that you're even elated by something and, and being willing to express that. It's also the courage to reflect on our own uh, privileges, whether we've actually been as self-made as we think we have been and whether others maybe have had a, a you know, a less equal shot at, 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 uh, at success in the world. So there's a, there's a courage to, to really look critically at oneself in the mirror, Kim. Mm-hmm. And do you, when it comes to courage, do you really think um, people have it in them to do this? Yeah, I, th- that is such a great question. Um, I do. I, I mean, I think there is, uh, you know, there's, there's certainly a lot of men that, that are doubling down on this older kind of masculinity. And, you know, and I, I think going back to, to President Trump, I think he's among them that it, because there's, this is a time of gender confusion. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and there's actually evidence that when men are challenged on their masculinity, on their traditional masculinity traits, like, are you a tough guy? They will actually overcompensate, you know, and, and be more aggressive than they would otherwise be. It's a very, it's a sensitive topic for men, but uh, we see more and more men doing this work and, you know, having the courage to sort of say, you know what, I think there's a better way. And I don't want to be someone who is uh, abusive to women or, or disrespectful to women. I want to see them as uh, you know equal partners in my life. Uh, I want to be willing to see, actually take a hard look at, at the racial inequalities that the George Floyd killing uh, surfaced and yeah. acknowledge, you know, wow, maybe I, if I'm a white man, maybe I haven't seen all, all the, the, the challenges that other folks have had. So I, I do see there is, uh, men have the courage to do this work. Well, that, that's really positive to hear that because hand in hand, that goes with commitment also, Ed, doesn't it? Because it's it's the courage, but then it's a commitment across all channels because it has to be commitment, you know, from everybody. I mean, do you think, you, do you think we have that in us also to commit? Yeah, I think, I think we do. Um, and by the way, Kim, I remember the, the fellow I was trying to remember before is Adam Grant. Mm, so right. apologies for forgetting that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, I think we do, and I see, because we see it in all these different uh, arenas: politics, business, yeah. uh, per, personal uh, growth. Um, I, I met some of the I've, I've attended some men's group meetings um, in different parts of the country, and you see men taking these brave steps from you know when we were growing up, thinking like you can't talk about how you're uh, you're you're worried that you might not be a a uh, good partner to your wife, or you, that you're you're devastated by the divorce and and uh, feeling like maybe you, it was your your fault. Uh, so it's happening, and it, but it starts with small steps. It can start yeah. with just even doing a journal or or being kind to yourself. Men are really hard on themselves. Yeah, that, that's true. They are. And um, no, this is real. This is really interesting. We're going to take a small break, um, and I won't. We've been talking about the path and and what what you what you the path that you have to take yourself and others have to commit to helping you take this path um but we're also influenced by a lot of things outside and when we come back i want to i want to talk about how we communicate this to the rest of the world and how we actually um not just as 
individuals, but also as a society, move from A to B. And for our listeners, we are speaking with Ed Frauenheim. He's the co-author of the new book, Reinventing Masculinity, The Liberating Power of Compassion and Connection. Now, he has written about organizations, leadership, and society for more than two decades. And if you'd like to reach out to Ed, you can reach out to him on www reinventingmasculinity.com his book is on Amazon I encourage you to it's a great read please order it and he's also on Twitter at Ed Frauenheim and on LinkedIn Ed-Frauenheim so please do reach out to him and if you have questions and comments you can connect with me Kimberly Lewis at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com and this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda. Cinda is one of Europe's fastest-growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. Cinda has virtual trainings, conferences, market research, and legislative white papers on www.cinda.org. Please go to Cinda for more information. And with that, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kim Lewis, and you are listening to Voice America Business Channel. And today we are talking about redefining masculinity. And we're speaking with Ed Frauenhein. He's the co-author of the new book, Reinventing Masculinity, The Liberating Power of Compassion and Connection. Now, Ed has... Over two decades of experience working with organizations, leaders, and society uh, around many subjects, including a great place to work. So, Ed, we've kind of uh, this. This is just such an interesting conversation. We've covered what we have today confined to masculinity. That's kind of the well, 
has developed over the years, the protector, you know, that. And then we're talking about liberating. And we talked about the path to liberating masculinity. But, you know, this this sounds easy and it's quite positive. We see some great trends. But it's also a kind of a big step because we're surrounded by media and culture that despite some of these changing values, very often reinforce the the old picture of masculinity. How does this pop culture affect this? I, I think in different ways. You know, there, like you said, Kim, there are there are some you know continued signs that you're supposed to be the tough guy that's ready to fight and dominate others. Uh, I'm I'm recently been watching the the Netflix series uh, the the hundred, uh, and there's plenty of of that sort of solving problems with with violence, um, but I think there's there's a lot of interesting counter trends in the pop culture, and and uh, we we mentioned in the book the way Game of Thrones for example uh, you know ends and has a, a number of very interesting characters that don't conform to the traditional masculine roles. The, the conclusion of the, the series really offers a different perspective on leadership uh, or the way the Avengers movies are so popular, uh, the way that you needed that team to, to defeat Thanos, the, the, you know, this, the ultimate bad guy, uh, with Captain America leading a grief counseling session. You know, talk about emotional availability. And even one of our you know, hero guy actors, Brad Pitt, is actually a, a great example of someone who's liberating their masculinity. Um, and we mentioned in the book how you know he took a hard look at himself and some uh, questions around how he was unable to sort of acknowledge the the doubts he had. Uh, you know, th- he was very vulnerable in a series of of, of um, basically self help meetings or uh, Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. Uh, and so, you know, if you read some of the things he said, he's like, yeah, the, that old school, there's some positives to it, but it, it really cuts off our full humanity. So mm-hmm. there's, there's some po- positive things happening in our, in our pop culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brad Pitt, great example there, um, and that is cultural. What about a- a- anybody else? You know, um, so I think of Brad, you know, Brad Pitt is a good example in the cultural aspect. What about from the leadership aspect? Okay, um, we love role models. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there is there another role model that you think is actually giving this message of liberating masculinity? Yeah, I, I know a number of them um, from my work at Great Place to Work. And if you look at the business world, one that stands out to me is uh, Tim Ryan, who's the, the top executive at PwC, the professional services uh, giant company. Um, <clears throat> and Tim uh, has stood out to me as being willing to take a hard look in the mirror at questions about racial privilege uh, over the last several years. Um, he first took the reins about five years ago, I think, and not long after he uh, became the, the top executive at, at PwC, there was uh, a shooting of a police officer in Dallas. And, and there was a lot of, of tension that led to some of the initial Black Lives Matter movement. And he realized he needed to, to shelve his business plan and say, let's talk about race in America and, and, and within PwC. And he learned things like the fact that, that his own black employees always made sure they had a business card from PwC so that if they were pulled over by a police officer, they could explain how they could have such a nice car. Uh, and it, it led him to, to start an organization that went a, for, across the business world to create uh, diversity and inclusion. Uh, and more, more recently, Tim did this again 
uh, by by first of all showing the levels of diversity and inclusion within PwC, with a very transparent report on how they're doing on these issues of representation and feelings of inclusion, uh, recruiting, but then also in the wake of the George Floyd uh, killing by the police officer, he. And he broadened his group's efforts to say, we're not only going to try to help corporate America become more diverse, we're going to try to help um, our society through legislation and policy work that really tries to create racial equity. So to me, he's an example of someone who's willing to, uh, to acknowledge he doesn't know everything, to, to look at what privilege he might have, and to, uh, to take action to move in toward a better, better way for himself and others. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that Tim Ryan is a great example. What, you know, we don't have every every organization doesn't have or every industry doesn't have a Tim Ryan. And so, we talked a little bit earlier on, you know, how mechanical organizations still are. On what, you know, what does this mean for men today, and how how can we influence and help organizations change? Um, it's a it's a great question about the way things are changing. I think that. I identify um, kind of three F's. I like to use acronyms, uh, Kim. So I think mm-hmm. you could say that the, the business world, our organizations are in a world that's faster, flatter, and and more fairness-focused. And and by that, I mean there's greater volatility, greater pace of change in, in businesses today. And that means that the, that top-down style of management is too slow. Mm-hmm. You can't have the boss try to re, re, pulling in information from those on the front lines, get, moving up the chain of command, him making, often him, making a decision and then sending his orders back down. That's going to leave you in the dust. Uh, and so more and more organizations are realizing and leaders are realizing, I have to trust my people at the edges, in the front lines, throughout the organizations. Uh, and so share power, essentially. Collaborate. Uh, and that relates to this point about flatter. We're seeing more organizational structures move in toward more decentralized, uh, matrixed uh, structures where they are uh, sharing authority where they're actually you know having cross-disciplinary teams that are important uh, to, to say a launch a new product or take care of a new merger uh, and that again doesn't it requires a, a different kind of masculinity than the confined one it requires uh, folks that are going to be able to create psychological safety uh, that are going to be emotionally attuned to helping bring out the best in the people we know that google for example's the most important quality of, a, of an effective team is not the smarts on the team it's the psychological safety. Do people feel like they will not be mocked? That they feel that they can bring their full selves and their ideas uh, to the team? And then the last piece yeah. I would say is the fairness piece. That we're in a post-Me Too world or a post-Black Lives Matter world. It's mm-hmm. not okay to continue with you know microaggressions with these slights uh, toward women, harassment, uh, to, to really want... Men are called to really ensure they're operating in a very fair way and to acknowledge all the the subtle ways that uh, women and people of color have not had a fair shake at work up to now. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the the characteristics of the work world that I see as very vital uh, and influential. And that means we've got to help men take stock of of these old rules they've they've worked under and, and help them move into this 21st century more fully. Yeah. And um, no, absolutely agree with you. And and I think one thanks to the work world, okay, because we talked a little bit earlier about seeing Generation Z coming in with, um, you know, different attitudes, different expectations in the work world. And we do see some liberating masculinity in that generation. But what can we do 
to the little kids, okay? Um, you know, mm. how do we, you know, you're raising little boys at home, okay? You know, how can we as parents, how can we as as schools help um, help young boys grow into liberated men? I love that question. The first answer I would say, Kim, is to listen to our boys. I think a big part of the the old school way of of raising boys and for for men uh, to think that they need to be parents is to tell boys what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got to be this. You got to be that. You got to be strong, and you got to be a fighter. You got to be a hero. Uh, and often, what what guys, what boys want to do, wasn't listened to. You know, and then maybe they wanted to be an artist or a a, a gardener. Uh, and you know, I have you know my own experience raising my son has taught me this. You know, we. We've, you know, followed in some ways those traditional sports routes. When we were, you know, parenting our, our, our son, everyone was playing soccer. So we played soccer. We played baseball and other things. And he actually scored the championship goal of his fifth grade soccer team. I was the coach of that team. But that wasn't actually as important to him as the fact that there wasn't a lot of friendship on that team for him. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a wake-up call to me to say, you know what, this is not what really motivates him. He'd rather have adventures and have close friendships. He loves climbing trees and nature. He's not super competitive. So listening to boys is a big part of it. And the other thing I would say is really need, we need to help boys feel like it's okay to be emotionally expressive and to, to not shut off those emotions, to learn how to deal with conflict in ways that aren't about might makes right. It's about let's figure out how to solve a conflict in, uh, in a way that is respectful to everybody. So it's not sort of bullies on the playground calling the shots. It's about listening to each other and finding a solution that works, that respects everybody. Yeah, and, and that's, that's important and, and allowing them to show emotion. I mean, I, I can't remember... But there's a couple famous studies that show that boys and girls cry at the same, you know, the same amount up to like the age nine or ten, and mm-hmm. then boys are taught to shut off the water waterworks, you know. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, that's the and that's what we need to do. So uh, we're going to have a wrap up question. I want to hear some thoughts from you, but I have one one more question. So we have this has been great. We're talking finally talking about men, but we still have a lot of issues going around gender issues with women. Also, how do these two things fit together? We. We're worried about using this term liberation, liberating masculinity, Kim, because we don't want to take away from the, the, the idea of liberating, uh, you know, women's yeah. liberation. Uh, but our, our, our argument would be that both genders, both sexes need to be liberated. Uh, you know, yes, men have done awful things to women over the, over the eons. Uh, and um, there needs to be, you know, the women's uh, increasing power and emergence in the world, you know, represented by the Me Too movement and more and more, you know, Kamala Harris becoming the first vice president. This is all important stuff. More and more women, we need more women leaders of organizations. Um, at the same time, their, women's liberation is going to be helped when men are, are liberating as well. Uh, when men are not feeling stuck in those old roles and when men are kind of seeing, you know, I actually can have a better life uh, if I'm not feeling like I have to be the the tough guy all the time, uh, that I can't show emotion, that I they have to feel like I did it all myself. So I think that these two uh, liberating movements are completely intertwined. Okay, great. Okay, we're getting towards the end. So Ed, um, 
one message, if we want, we have listeners, men, women, uh, corporate managers, uh, all different levels. What, what's your kind of last message to our listeners? I would say that liberating masculinity is not easy. It takes courage, uh, but it's worth it. Uh, it frees men and those around them to live fuller, more soulful, happier lives. This is what the evidence shows. Uh, and this, is, this allows them to have a better life at home, at work, and in the world. It's time to reinvent masculinity. Mm-hmm. Great. Cl- great closing words. And for our listeners, we have been listening today to Ed Frauenheim, and he's the co-author of the new book, Reinventing Masculinity, The Liberating Power of Compassion and Connection. This book is available on Amazon, and it is absolutely a great read. I encourage you to get that. And Ed has been working with organizations and leaders and society for more than two decades. And he also co-authored another book, and that is a great place to work for all, better for business, better for people, and better for the world. Now, if you'd like to reach out to Ed, you can reach out to him on his website, which is www.reinventingmasculinity, and also on Twitter under Ed Frauenheim. And he is also under LinkedIn under Ed-Frauenheim. So, Ed, once again, thank you so much for taking the time to, to be with us today. It's been a, a great chat. Thank you so much, Kim. And you are in San Francisco. Please take care and save, stay safe. And listener, and listeners also, we all hope all our listeners are staying safe wherever you may be. And this series is also brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda holds virtual trainings, conferences, market research, and legislative white papers on digital. And if you'd like to learn more about Cinda, go to www.cinda.org. And in December, Cinda will be holding a series on e-commerce. So you can tune in the second week of December. It's a free webinars on e-commerce. Now, Please join us each Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you happen to miss us, don't worry, because we are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and almost every major podcast podcast platform. Now, the series is... Is also brought to you by GBT, that is Global Business Therapy, that does leadership training for women and specializes in diversity and C-level development. Connect with me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or visit my website and go to us on social media also. And with that, please stay safe and please tune in to us next week. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.